0: Yes, 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 people, welcome back to the podcast. I think we had a week off there and probably due to all that super leagues. Oh no, it was the blackout. It was the blackout, the social media blackout in a stance against online abuse. And hopefully that was successful and sends a message that online abuse is not um acceptable in any shape or form. But anyway, this is a city podcast. A lot has happened in uh our absence. Um we obviously we do our YouTube videos giving constant updates there and match reviews, previews, etc. So if you're a follower over there, um You'll know what we think all the time, but the podcast is something where we feel we can chill out and just have a chat about what's happened in the recent weeks in the world of Manchester Football Club. I've got Joe here with me. Dara's not available today, so some may say this is an even better guest. Joe Head, techie boy. Joe, how are you feeling after the last week or so we've had? We'll break it down even more, but obviously we know what we've had.
1: It's been the most chaotic two weeks, I think, that has ever graced this football club. I mean, we're three points away from a Premier League title as it stands. Uh, playing Chelsea tomorrow. We're in a final of a Champions League for the first time ever. We've absolutely dominated Paris home and away, I think, by the first Mm. half of the first leg. Um, Obviously, we won the Carabao Cup as well going into Paris. So, I mean, not much more we could have done, really. I mean, we're on the brink of a treble
0: yeah a treble yeah and you've got the united fans saying it's not the real treble it's not the united treble fuck your united treble okay (laughs) the cabbage cup we didn't do a podcast on that obviously it's kind of been and gone it's sort of old news now i know listen we sound arrogant saying old news or I do anyway saying old news the trophy is always great but listen we won the caravan cup for those of you who may not be aware fourth time in a row beat tottenham 1-0 in wembley our second home the week after we just lost to chelsea we're going to talk a bit about chelsea in this podcast i think as they are and Probably going to be the biggest talking point for us over the next four weeks or so. But anyway, yeah, we won the the Carabao Cup fourth time in a row. Massive achievement. Round of applause for Pep and the boys' great trophy. But that's not the biggest part of the season, okay? So we went on after that to play our first leg against PSG. We won 2 1 away. They got a red card. It just a gay. Got himself ruled out of the second leg. But listen, before that game in our review, in our preview, uh, rather, I was saying, oh, listen, I know how good PSG are. I was expecting huge things from PSG. Do you know what I mean? They got to the final last year. Um. Obviously, beaten by Bayern, who they knocked out in the previous round. I was like, "Wow, this PSG tie is going to be something else. Like they're going to be a massive beast to take down." And I said, "Listen, I take a, I take a two-one loss. I take a, a draw. I just want, I want anything other than to be hammered in Paris." And you know what? What, what obviously came of it was the complete polar opposite. and over the moon, but, but I, I want to talk a bit about PSG while while we're on the first leg for a second because. I was expecting a lot more from them, you know. Mbappe obviously didn't play the second leg. We'll talk about that as well in a sec. Um, but Neymar and Mbappe both played the first leg. They, they all are essentially their best players playing the first leg. And they just, other than their goal within 15 minutes, when I thought it was, I thought they were on the path to thumping us, essentially. They scored 15 minutes in. Marquinhos, header from a corner. If you watched our, our live watch line for that game, you would have seen I was fuming. But I thought we were, we were on for a tank and it was going to be a typical City blowing it in Europe. I could see the headlines already. Pep bottles it again or something along those lines. What, what, what? Do, you, do you kind of get what I'm
1: going out here with Joe? With PSG. I was Like, are they yeah. the serious bottlers now? Are they the laughing stock of Europe? Yeah. Cause the hedge completely went like they picked up a red card on either leg. They've picked up a lot of red cards just in all competitions in general. Like they are, their mentality is, I mean, weak. I mean, I don't know what else to say. they, lose their heads as soon as they you know the second half we come out in that first leg we get a goal their heads go we get a second one their heads go even more they get a man sent off the second leg we score score twice they could have ended with about seven men on the pitch Variety could have been sent off Herrera could have been sent off Di Maria was sent off I think Pempe should have been sent off for a reckless challenge on Jesus which if his leg was planted he could have broken his leg Um, Mm. they completely lost it you know they have had the tag of bottlers for quite a while. They got to the final everyone, last year and everyone was like, right, okay, you know, maybe, maybe they've changed. Maybe something's gone on. You know, they have, you know, beaten that duck. They beat it before us. And then it's like, they play us and it's like, well, I was, I said this, I said, it's almost battle of the bottlers. You know, if we lose again, then it's, we've bottled it again. You know, we failed to get to where we want to be. And if PSG you know, lose which they did lose. Then you kind of go, well, maybe the final was just a blip, and maybe they are really just bottlers inside. Um, yeah, I mean they're not looking too pretty in the league either. So I don't know where they go. I'm not really too bothered, but I think they. Just I was, just, are I was just
0: expecting a lot more from
1: them. That's all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean they were fairly disappointing with the attacking talent that they've got. To only their last shot on target being the 28th minute of the first leg. Like, that was their last shot on target. Like, that's disappointing for Mbappe, Neymar, Di Maria, Icardi, Kane, Kane, Moise Kane, that's the one, uh, <laughs> that's Draxler. Lovely. Like, they've got heaps of attacking flair, and their last shot on target was in the first half of the first leg.
0: That's what I mean. I, like, whatever about Mbappe not playing the second leg, when, you, when you've got Neymar on the pitch, I'm sorry, you've got Neymar on the pitch, you're, you've got a very good chance. He didn't turn up. Um, But I said it in our preview for the second leg and kind of just to bounce off or to bounce off your point you made a second ago about the discipline. I said it in our preview. I said, listen, if it starts to go our way and as time goes on, PSG will lose their heads. We saw that in a kind of snippet in the last five minutes or so in the first leg when they weren't happy. You know, they just again lashed down and got themselves sent off. But as soon as the tide completely turned and it was looking like they were dead and buried, obviously, when they were um, 2-0 down, I think it was, they lost the heads, and I said that. I said they could easily get another red card. It was almost predictable, and it's quite embarrassing. Like, how do they expect to progress? But then again, you have to give so much credit to our defense. I mean, particularly in that second leg. Wow, just wow. Ruben Diaz and Zinchenko, particularly Kyle Walker as well. John Stones even played his part. They were just exceptional. Like that kind of begs the question. This season now, with all the consistency Ruben Diaz has had, he's had some very slight dips in form, very slight, like nothing major, just where he looked a little bit shaky briefly against Dortmund. But that PSG game just kind of put it into concrete for me that I think he's probably the best in the world right now. And it's only because he's so young people will say, oh, no, he's not. He's not Van Dijk. Van Dijk's not been here this season. I'm sorry. He's not been here. Fair enough. Maybe we'd be having a different conversation saying, is he as good as Van Dijk? Are they in the same league? Blah, blah, blah. Is he kind of Ramos- Pre prime standard? Is he is he up there It's greats? Obviously, he's only had one season, but in terms of performance this season, I don't think he can do much more. I think as this season goes, he was the best centre half in definitely England, if not Europe. Do you want to come in on
1: that? Well, I mean, if you can name me a better centre back overall this season, I'll be very surprised. Obviously, you name your Van Dykes, your Ramos. Is there was to have been injured for big chunks of this season? I don't think I can name someone like Diaz who has been available for most of the season, performance after performance. Yeah, he's had his ups and downs. But I mean... He's played a lot of football. Yeah, that's just football. Everybody has their ups and downs. Van Dykes, you know, had poor performances before. Ramos has had poor performances before. You know, Ruben Diaz is going to have more poor performances in the future. But that's just football. You can't have a, you know, 10 out of 10 performance week in, week out. It's just not possible unless you are Lionel Messi or like Ronaldo but I mean they're just superhuman at this point it's you know it's something to behold but yeah he's quite rightly should be up there for player of the year he won't win it because City tax you know you'll find someone like Kane who's top goal scorer top assist uh, England's golden boy he'll win it or Bruno Mm -hmm. Fernandes he'll win it because he's just Man United player and he scores loads of pens not to take away I mean He's a good player, but he's not a player of the season. And He's just you can't score pe- loads of pens and be contender for player of the season. He's like Kane. Kane takes pens as well. So does Salah, I and he's w- up there for scorer as well. So I was
0: watching a video on YouTube. I don't know what what company it was or what page it was or what channel, or whatever. It was, they were talking about who should be player of the season, and there was four of them having the conversation, and two of them voted for Fernandez, and they're like, "Oh, it's because of his his overall contribution." I know he's not going to win any Trophies, probably Europa League now by looks, it, but at the time like he's not going to win any major trophies anyway. And um, but you know, his contribution to Man United, where he brings the team, you say the exact same thing for Diaz, he just doesn't get the penalties, he doesn't score the goals because he's a center fucking half. Diaz has completely changed us as a team from back to front. His presence in the center half position oozes confidence and, and composure into the rest of the team, gives him so much co- just confidence, general confidence. He brings team, and I'm really not sure we could have got that exact same scoreline against PSG without Diaz. Yes, you had some um, unbelievable moments from Zinchenko and Walker and Stones who, who did fantastic in their own right, but I think Diaz's presence beside those guys makes them feel more comfortable and he's, you know, he's really electrifying. You know, you, I, For the first time probably uh, maybe ever we've seen a City defence where every time they make a block or a tackle they all come together and start slapping each other on the head and high-fiving and hugging. It's like Kyle Walker said in his interview post-match against PSG, when I make a block now, it's as good to me as a goal. And that's unbelievable. Like whether he's just saying that for the cameras or not, even just to hear that, if it's true, it's unbelievable. It's just, I think Diaz's presence has brought that. He's got this really aggressive and um, traditional centre half mindset, but he also has the footballing ability to back it up, which is why I think he has to be like in in, in a reasonable thinking world, he has to be player of the season. He just does. He's completely like if you're going to take the argument for Fernandez. It's it's more than applicable for Diaz as well for what he's contributed to the team and the difference between Fernandez and Diaz they both contributed for the for their teams but Diaz is about to win a whole load of trophies Carabao Cup already Premier League is almost almost as good as said and done and then we're ninety minutes away from winning a Champions League Um I think there has to be uh, some some respect put on Father Ruben's name essentially what I'm saying but anyway we've talked about PSG unbelievable um, occasions we did we did live watch along on the YouTube channel. Some of you may have watched that. And we've obviously got stream highlights as well. If you're not ours watching through the whole thing, they kind of give you a summary of, of what we thought at the time. But anyway, unbelievable nights, both of them beating PSG both nights away and home and uh, qualifying for, us, Joe said, our first Champions League final ever. Which brings us to our Champions League final opponents who we play tomorrow. We play tomorrow in a Premier League bout where if we win, we. Uh, I don't think it's. I think we need a win, not a draw. If we win, we win the Premier League. Um, it's done like it's finished no one can catch us at that stage but it's not it's not as if we're playing Chelsea and you know we win with the Premier League it's also now that we play Chelsea we win the Premier League but we're also playing Champions League final opponents so it's kind of hard to predict how people go into it myself and Joe did a preview on YouTube which is live now feel free to go over and watch that where we talk about that fixture in more depth but I think we should talk about it here in the podcast from a Champions League final perspective do you think do you think it's going to be a, a part in the players' minds, the fact that in just a matter of weeks, Joe, they're going to be stepping into an even bigger arena, like not physically, but, you know, stature of, of competition, and um, that this is its almost like a, a precursor?
1: Yeah, I mean, we said it in the preview. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if he will go full strength just to win the title. We don't know whether he'll rotate just to save, you know, any tactics or any, you know, players like you said, folded sort of don't let them come up against Foden and save him for the Champions League final so they don't know really what to expect. So, who knows? I mean, I said this, I said, if I, th- I think if we go with a slightly rotated side and we beat them, imagine how much confidence that gives us and imagine how much it does to them knowing that it wasn't even our full strength that you know would have beaten them on the day. So, it is. it does play in the players' minds. I think you might see a few, maybe not below par, but sort of a few players not working as hard because no one wants to get injured at this stage in the season no one because if they get injured there's a high chance that they'll miss the final so no one's going to want to do anything stupid Um, which is totally understandable we don't want the you know Kane at Spurs in the Champions League final where he's like 10% fit and he just isn't you know he should just never have started no matter how good he is you know so I don't know home is an advantage for us It'll play on the players' minds. A lot of these players will want to try and play well to try and get in for the final. Uh, we already know what we want to say for the final. We want to see the exact same team that played uh, PSG away. At, sorry, at home. Second leg. Just mm-hmm. the one yeah. that... It was, I was going to say PSG away because the second half was the team that we wanted to see because, you know, Cancelo's good, but we needed width and he didn't supply that. So we already know what we want to see, but... These next few weeks, including Chelsea, the Newcastle game, Brighton, Everton, you know, those are games where you go, anyone who wants to play in this final, you know, you've got like three or four games to try and prove why you should start and take a place.
0: It's kind of hard to see him going with any other team, though, than the one you said, uh, PSG at home. Like, that was just the, the best team performance we've seen all season, probably since the the 18-19 um, league winning team, one of those performances, one of the great ones then. Um, that was probably the best one we've seen in about two years in terms of collective team performances. There was no just standout players that carried us through the win. It was just every man on the pitch was phenomenal. But on the Chelsea game tomorrow, I think I think you're right. I think it's risk versus reward. I mean, the risk is if you put out your B team, you're obviously, when you put out your B team or your your. Not you're not strongest starting eleven. If you like, there is less chance you'll win the game because you know you're obviously going to be more confident in your first eleven. But imagine, like I said, if you're to beat them with your second starting eleven or your second supposed choice team, the comp first, like if you're to beat the first of all, you win the Premier League. That's the most important. Thing. We're talking about the Premier League as if it's the Carabao Cup here at this stage because we're all so excited about the Champions League. But it's the Premier League for God's sake. We love this. It's 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 what it's our bread and butter. We want that every single year. It's the main one essentially. But you win it with your B team. And also, Chelsea haven't played your A team. They haven't played your strongest starting 11. And they're going, fuck, we've just been beaten by City's rotated team um, in, a, in, in a Premier League game, which they still need to win their Premier League games if they want to, like, you know, domestically secure Champions League next season. So they're going to come out with their strongest team. They need to win, or else they don't they want they they to lose their fourth place spot to West Ham. So they go out with their strongest 11. We go out with our second start, uh, strongest 11 and beat them. They're all of a sudden going, fuck. They just lost their their rotated team, and they're going to put out their strongest team in the Champions League final. Now, 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 lads, don't get me wrong. I know, um, Champions League final, anything, every little advantage, Joe. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, it just confidence is a massive thing. A lot of players do rely on confidence. We have a few players in our in our club that rely on confidence, so it does sort of, you know, mentality. At the end of the day, we've discussed mentality already. It's it does do wonders sometimes um, you know it also gives the fans confidence as well if we beat Chelsea with a rotated side we can sit there on the final and go we've done these we've done these with a not full strength side the
0: like, players on the bench so for us confidence. that day
1: can say we did this team the players on our bench can say we did this team do you know what I mean yeah like if they come off the bench they go oh well I already had a good performance against these lot." As a, exactly. uh, you know, as a bench player on the on the night. So players like we we say this players like Sterling, maybe Jesus, maybe even Aguero. uh you know the three names, the three bigger names where you kind of look at it and go, you know, one of them, I guarantee one of them will play against Chelsea. Maybe two. I doubt you'll see three. I doubt you'll see the four four two like we played against Palace. You know, Palace did exist. Um. But I doubt you'll see that system. But one of them will play, and I have a feeling it will most probably be Sterling out of the lot of them, and he needs something. He needs one thing. We we said this, as soon as he gets one thing, you know, it could all change from there. He could, you know, start to pick up momentum for the final games of the season. Um, will it be enough for him to start the final? Unfortunately, no, because Foden's just, I mean, he's Foden and Mahrez is, Got us into this position by scoring three goals over the two legs, and you don't start him up front. So, but he definitely gets his name as a sort of, you know, first substitution, or you know, if there's any injury, he gets in there.
0: Yeah, I, I don't I, like I said in our pre, on our preview yesterday. I'm, 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 I like the idea of Foden not playing tomorrow, just as that extra wild card. You know, Chelsea will know all about him. They know how good he is. The same way we know about Mason Mount. But they'll have to play Mason Mount if they want to win tomorrow. Like Chelsea won top four. Like I said. Champions League football secured domestically. They need to win. They can't afford to lose any of their remaining games. West Ham are on their tails. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not focused that heavily on the Premier League table because we essentially have it won. But um, we don't need to play Foden. We don't need to play De Bruyne. I have no issue with someone like Jesus. I I expect Sterling to start. Like you said, I do expect him to start. I think Pep will be keen to to push Sterling into form, and Sterling is one of those players that by benching him, he won't gain confidence. You know, he needs like you said, a moment where he does something great and he'll go, great, that's me again. I can keep doing this. Conference is back. The boom is back. So I expect Sterling to play. I have no issue with players like Sterling, Jesus, even Torres playing, Aguero playing on the basis that they're still good enough to beat Chelsea. And it'll also do them favours. We need all our players coming into the final now in Istanbul. I think it's going to be most likely in Istanbul even though Villa have tried to offer their stadium match of one that night in Birmingham. Um, night in Birmingham. We, need, we need all our players in high confidence, as many as possible. And St- Pep will know, particularly with Sterling, that if you can get Sterling into confidence over the next two, three weeks before the final, he'll be a massive, massive asset to the team, whether it's coming off the bench or starting in the final. I don't think it'll be starting the final based purely on how good Foden has been on the left wing. But be, if, you, if you get a confident Sterling on the bench... That's a great card to bring on to the Champions League final. Imagine who's, who's the... Aspilicueta plays right back for Chelsea. Um, imagine him. Imagine he plays 70 minutes Mark and Foden, who is, is, an, is a bottomless bundle of energy himself anyway, Foden, and he tires the fuck out of Aspilicueta. And then Sterling comes on in fine form, you know, taking him to the byline, beating him on the outside, being just top-class Sterling. You, you start to wonder if if Chelsea can handle that kind of thing. We just have like that what has been our biggest asset overall this season is the fact that we have so much quality on the bench to replace our top quality in the pitch when we need to. And that's why we've gotten this far. And people complain they're like, Oh, city of all the money, City just by the way to success. It's not. It's good recruitment. It's good recruitment, yeah. Like we didn't buy Foden. He's a product of the Academy. And he's been our best player this season, arguably. Um, him Gunduan, um, Diaz or De Bruyne, I think. So I don't know, I think I don't know. Do you have any points on that? On the, on the phone, maybe not playing and Sterling and Aguero. I think he might see. Like I said, he's got that um, one goal. He's one goal away from breaking the record for uh, all-time top scorer for one club.
1: Yeah, Aguero. Aguero needs one goal to equal the Rooney record. I'm pretty sure. So that is, you know, that will play on his mind um, coming into any games that he plays. Um, his record against Chelsea is unmatched. It's absolutely incredible. I remember the last time we played Chelsea at home. Um, well, no, sorry, not the last time, but I think it was a couple of years ago now, the 6-0, where Sterling had Asper De Quetta on toast the whole game. He was incredible. He won a penalty. He was just all over him. Um, obviously, there is Reese James, who also plays right back. It's one of them will start. Obviously, Reese James, the more attacking, so, and Asper Quetta, the more experienced. So you'd kind of say you're more expecting Aspilicuata to start the final, given, you know, captain. Um, Whether he starts at centre-back, I don't know. But, I mean, you're right. Who would you rather face? Would you rather face this on-form Foden? Or would you rather face a quick winger like Sterling, who, okay, he may not be having the best of times at the moment, but he can still do stuff. He's still very, very quick, still can produce moments, can create chances. If given the opportunity to run at someone, he, you know, he's starting to try things again. So I think as soon as, as soon as he does, like it's a goal or an assist or just, you know, he just needs to be more direct. Like we saw that February period, which was his best period of the season for me. Maybe not in terms of return for goals, but in terms of his overall performances and field, um, Spurs at home, as well, that was in there like that was some of his best football. Um, he was direct, he had fullbacks on toast for that month, he was all over just he was one of the must start players at that point. Unfortunately, he's fallen off, but you know, he's one of them confidence players, he falls into the same category as Jesus for me. He's one of them players where he can play anywhere across the front three, obviously, with varying degrees of success. He is very tricky on his day. He's very reliant on confidence. Okay, his end product might not be the best, or their end product might not be the best because I'm talking about two players here, but their ability is, like their on and off the ball movement is probably their best asset. Like, Sterling's dropping deep at the moment, which I'm not too sure why, considering he is a very fast player. You'd assume that, you know, it'd be, you know, quick in behind stuff. But... You know, it's the way we play at the moment, trying to keep the ball. We know we don't counter-attack. We did against Paris in the second leg, but we know we don't counter-attack. We know we don't attack with pace. So maybe that's sort of to blame for Sterling's poor form as well, because we're not totally playing to his strengths anymore. We used to play him in behind, and now it's sort of, you know, come deep, get the ball, and, you know, try and make something happen by trying to break teams down.
0: Yeah, it's a good point, actually. It didn't really occur to me, very, because it's kind of been masked by how well we have been doing in the big games, that when you do look at Sterling and say, oh, why aren't you playing well? Why isn't it happening for him? It kind of does make sense now that probably playing to his strengths. Like when we had Sané and Sterling or whatever, um, and of course Mara's still at that time as well, our our tactic was to play them in, in behind, and now it's very much, very much pet ball. It's just get the ball and just pass your way through the opposition, which makes it very tough for Sterling. But it's good it's good to get him back into confidence if we can and, and have that bit of versatility that we can switch it up. Because like we said with Chelsea, they're extremely defensive. Thomas Tuchel is one of, if not other than Mourinho, the most defensive manager in, in world football, in my opinion. I watched them against Real Madrid both times, and it's awful to watch. I'm sorry, it's absolutely... I credit them for getting to the final. Fair enough, that's a great achievement. But in terms of a spectacle, it's awful to watch. It's just sit really deep really compact, and then break when you can, and they've been quite fortunate that they're getting one and two goals, you know, one or two nil wins and to to get themselves through games, and yes, it's working, it's effective, but it's just awful. Um, So we will need to be able to, I suppose, change up our style of play, definitely in the final, because that's a one-off game you need to win, but tomorrow it'll kind of give us a, a better feel for whether our, for our plan A works, or we'll, whether we'll need a plan B. I think that's going to be Pep's main Objective in tomorrow's fixture to get a feel for Chelsea. Obviously, yes, he wants to win the Premier League. It's like now, if he can, but I don't think if we were to drop points tomorrow, he'd be devastated. As long as he got a good feel for what Chelsea are like, and they're very one-dimensional. They don't have the 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 number the 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 squad depth to be able to change their their style of football. So I don't know. Do you what What do you think of Chelsea's style of play? I think it's really boring.
1: For the neutral or for non-Chelsea even Chelsea fans, it's very boring football. Everyone, for but, football fans. For football fans, it is very boring football, but it gets results at the moment. So, you know, do you take style of play or do you take results? It's a results business. You take the results, you know, regardless of how well it is to watch. Like, it was boring to watch. I did both of the watch-alongs for the Chelsea Madrid. Um, they were... It was awful. It was an awful watch. It was painful at times. It was boring. We went off topic a lot and discussed other things because it was just nothing happened in the game. Um, we saw that in the very, FA Cup as well. The, very different to the Bayern PSG watch lines we did, which were yeah. unreal. we saw it in the FA Cup semi final as well. It, just, it was more of a case of we struggled to break them down. They struggled to really create much against us. They did take the one that they got. So. That's going in their favour. But, you know, it's not like they created too many clear-cut opportunities to carve us open. And again, that's our B team. So, you know, the only plan B they have really is Giroud off the bench as a, you know, more of a focal point up front, someone in the box, who, I mean, I really rate Giroud. I think he's very underrated. And I don't know why they didn't utilise him more, especially given the form and the finishing of some of Timo Ferner's just chances that he just, doesn't bury at all. I mean, my god, some of them are just some of them are shockers. I would Howling. trust more.
0: Yeah, I mean you give Giroud some of the chances that were missed even in that Real Madrid second leg they had the other night. He buries them. They missed some unbelievable opportunities, Chelsea. They should have won four or five nil. Madrid Madrid were awful. That's why I would have been I would have been much more confident playing Madrid in the final because they were awful. We could expose them far easier, easier than we did last season in the last 16. But like I said, Chelsea's going to be a different beast. Um, they're really compact defensively. Like they're good at what they do. But as I say, as I alluded to a second ago, it's just really boring. So, I mean, tomorrow we can talk about this until the cows come home, really, tomorrow's game, because there's so many possibilities, you know, from who will Pep choose. What is Pep's objective of the game? He'd always say it's to win it. But yeah, like he's, he's got it in the back of his mind. This is three weeks' time we're going to Istanbul with, with his opposition. so. I don't know. I think we just wanted to come on to the podcast anyway. Have your say. Actually, I keep, I keep forgetting to say this. If you want to make any point yourself, you, the listener at home, just use hashtag 1894podcast on Twitter and just tell us we're being idiots or tell us your thoughts. But, yeah, we just wanted to make this kind of quick podcast on that because I think after this game tomorrow, Joey, probably agree with me, we'll have a much better idea of what to
1: expect in the final. Yeah, if they play anything like they did in the semi-final FA Cup, which I believe they will, because they are very one-dimensional. They don't really have any other way of playing. They're not a team that dominates too often. Um, so this is for Pep. It's basically basically about finding is there another way. Like if plan you said before, if plan A doesn't work, is there a plan B, or is it just plan A until you know we find a way.
0: And I, till we find a way. That could be a good title for the podcast, Joe. A bit of, you got bars there. But, um, yeah, like I was saying, hashtag 1894podcast on Twitter um, if you want to tell us your thoughts, because I think there's so many possibilities, like so, so many outcomes and so many narratives surrounding this fixture, not only tomorrow, of course, in three weeks' time when we go to Istanbul. So I think we'll wrap it up there. We're one subscriber of 230 on YouTube, so if one of you people listening wants to help us out on that front, it would be much appreciated. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week when I think we'll have a much better understanding of the Champions League final, which will be the biggest talking point of the next month. Whether you like it or not, whether it bores you or not, it will be the biggest talking point. City's first ever Champions League final and we're all here for it. Thank you very much. Goodbye.